the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomCastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomCastPod.com. All right, thanks for joining us. It's December, so I feel a little less weird about saying Merry Netflixmas once again to all who celebrate. A couple weeks ago, we did part one of our 2020 Netflix Christmas movie coverage So if you haven't listened to that one and you're getting caught up on the Netflix slate for the season, go check that one out. But today, we will be doing part two of our Netflixmas coverage with our review of three big titles featuring the likes of Kurt Russell playing Santa for the second time, the legendary Dolly Parton, and a little alien named X saving Christmas for everyone. And of course, we brought back two-thirds of our Christmas crew to help me break these films down. Comedian Mega Harrison and comic book writer Travis Holyfield is here with Kid Christmas Chad Davis out on assignment. But he was dearly missed, and we wish him a very Merry Christmas. And good luck with his new Christmas all-year-round podcast that will be coming out in 2021 with co-host Mega Harrison, who is on today. So keep an eye out for that. I'm in talks to be on the first episode, so I'm sure I'll be plugging that one extensively in the coming weeks. But for now, you will stay right here and stay tuned for a wonderful Netflix miss time with Travis and Mega. But first, a word from our friends at Forgotten Entertainment. Have those Marvel blues while Black Widow's theatrical release date is consistently delayed? Well, turn that frown upside down because yet another MCU podcast is here to guide you through the MCU one movie at a time. That's right, Mike. Each episode, we break down one movie from the MCU and talk about its connections with the source material, comic books. Which means I get to learn so many fascinating things like about Alpha Flight. The Canadian Avengers. Who knew? And Moon Knight. A multiple personality superhero. Seriously? And then there's Man-Thing. Yeah, not really sure how to explain that one. Pretty sure no one can. Yet another MCU podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, welcome back. Can't wait for you all to hear part two of Netflixmas 2020, but I just wanted to let you know how you can check out more from our amazing guests that we have on today. Travis Holyfield is a comic book writer who has written a couple of excellent series, Street Clothes and Doberman, both of which can be found on Comixology, so be sure to check those out. And for more information on Travis and the rest of his work, go to Travis M. Holyfield. And we also have Mega Harrison on the show with us today. Mega is a comedian here in Connecticut. She routinely performs all over the Northeast, and you can actually catch her at a socially distant show in West Hartford at the Elbow Room tomorrow night if you are listening to this on the day of release. The show is raising money for charity, so head on out to that 
and follow Mega on Twitter at Megan Harriso, no N, at Megan Harriso for more information. And of course, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, The Nomcast, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. All right, let's get to it. Here it is, Netflixmas 2020 Part 2 with Travis and Mega. Give a listen. It is a merry Netflixmas again, coming back uh, after a couple weeks ago, bringing it in, doing part one with uh, Jingle Jangle and Operation Christmas Drop. Had a whole lot of fun with uh, very similar folks who are on today. Uh, very happy to have them back. Comedian Mega Harrison, how are you? I'm great. It's me, Mega Harrison. I'll say I'm not the same person I was two weeks ago. <laughs> I've changed. It's true. <laughs> Although I hope you still bring your random conspiracy theories to <laughs> weird rom-com or weird just in general Christmas movies. So I appreciate oh, that. For sure. Thank you for being here. Uh, Travis Holyfield, welcome back, sir. Comic book writer and friendo. How are you? I am largely the same as I was the last time that we <laughs> did this. So uh, pretty much it's going to be more the same nonsense. That's how I like it, man. That's why you're back. Uh, I Perfect. appreciate you coming back. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to do uh, a few more Netflix movies that came out in the last couple weeks. Uh, some of the heavy hitters uh, from when we did our preview episode, because uh, we have Dolly Parton in here. We have Christmas Chronicles, which is the number one movie on Netflix as we are recording right now. But we are going to kick it off with something that feels very classic, very old school, but with a new twist. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, it's a an animated short it's alien xmas we we previewed this on the uh the christmas preview episode that we did a couple months ago and it kind of like harkens back a little bit it's a stop animation short film it's about 40 minutes long totally worth the effort to in my eyes we'll get to the panel in a minute but you know it's it's a really cool project it's produced by john favreau who is I, I love that man. So anything he seems to touch lately for any of you Mandalorian fans or go back to the early 90s with him, you know, I could just watch his small cameo on Seinfeld and make myself happy. Uh, he makes an amazing clown. But, you know, he's the producer on this one working with the uh, Chiodo. Uh, Chido? I, I don't honestly know how to pronounce their last name. The Chido Brothers. Um, it's directed by Stephen Chido. Um, the the brother Charles is kind of usually the um, the illustrator of their books or the uh, any of the kind of artistic side. He's usually the head of those. So it's kind of like a group family project here uh, that we're seeing. And they are weird fucking dudes, man. They are awesome. Like this is a weird project. Um, it's based on the children's book that Stephen, the director, wrote alongside Jim Strain, who wrote both Jumanji movies. It's an interesting pair to write a children's book. But originally, this was supposed to be a feature film. They couldn't get the funding for it. So they were like, hey, we have all this art. Let's just make a book. 
they make a children's book. It sells really well. It becomes this big phenomenon. And now Netflix is in their camp and wants to make it with John Favreau. So it's a pretty cool story. But like I said, Stephen Chido, my God, uh, I don't know if you guys remember or Mega, do you remember from our preview thing what this guy did? He's insane. Like he was the director of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, yes. uh, shit. He, he, oh, that makes a lot of sense then, man. That pedigree really makes a lot of sense based on what what that movie ends up looking like and being. Well, I, here's a couple more for you. He's also the designer of the Critters from the Critters horror movie franchise. He designed okay. those as well. Plus, he was the principal puppeteer on Team America World Police. Oh, Jesus. So this guy is all over the map. I love this man. That is such a cool, like, you know, I don't even know how to describe that career. I mean, it's, it's outlandish, but amazing. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you though, like in a way that kind of bums me out because like, I, I, I will start off by, we'll do a compliment sandwich. How's that sound? Yeah, sure. We're going to do a compliment sandwich. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, the 42 minute or whatever it is runtime, super doable, super manageable. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, Mega's point from the last time we went around about the kind of manufactured nostalgia that these things truck in. This one really landed right on me because it's, you know, animated to look like the old Rankin and Bass kind of stop motion nonsense. And that's, that's my, my childhood right there. So I was all in for sure. But at the points where it gets weird, and it does get fucking weird. Oh, yeah. It gets delightfully weird. But now hearing this pedigree, Killer Clowns, Team America, that it should have gotten so much fucking weirder. <laughs> like, no, seriously. Like, with that, they, yeah. I feel like they, they really left a lot sitting on the table then, if that's, if that's kind of where, where this is, is coming from. Well, I think that's the Favreau influence because from what I understand, there were a few notes that he kind of <laughs> gave them to try to get this to Netflix or at least get sold. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's less, it's less there them kind of tapping back and more cooler heads being like, Hey, maybe not. Yeah. Cause like uh, the book uh, for instance has uh, X and the other robot Sam two. Uh, I guess mm -hmm. they they both talk in the book and and this one they don't and it, when they talk in the book they're kind of like a bickering married couple Laurel and Hardy possibly you know R2 and 3PO kind of a relationship so mm -hmm. you know they for them to decide to kind of go silent here makes it you know definitely less chaotic and more streamlined to the A story which that was his other note was like forget the B and C plot lines. Let's just go straight for here's the problem. Let's get out of it and end the movie. So yeah. And, and, and God bless for that because this, uh, this is not anything that would have, I think really benefited from a lot more plot. No, and, and because uh, you're, I think the only kind of B plot in here is the, uh, the sleigh being created by the, the father of that, child holly i believe her name is um which mm -hmm. i think he's voiced by john favreau um and oh shit i didn't even look at the voice talents for this one honestly weirdly i probably enough, should have 
um, unless you actually did it on Netflix, like the listings are very unconfirmed. It's a weird, I, I like even looking up, I'm like, why is this unconfirmed? It's on, t- on TV now. Like, what are you doing? Um, but I, yeah. I, I definitely picked up Favreau's voice in that. Um, but I will that makes say, a lot of sense. but I will say, yeah, I probably could have gotten a lot weirder <laughs> with these guys. I wish I want to read the book now. I know Chad, uh, from our previous said he had read it and highly recommended it. So, you know, I will try to seek that out. Uh, it's also weird in my house because I am the Christmas person. Uh, my wife and kids are Jewish. So it's always weird like that. I would be like hiding out in my office or something, just reading a children's book. That'd be odd, but you know, <laughs> Maybe I can uh, <laughs> pop down to Sorry. the library and read for some children or something <laughs> to make it less. Like Sorry, it's just your life. Later. Your life literally sounds like a Fox News like warning. Like, like <laughs> uh, the Jews will make us practice Christmas hidden in a small, tiny room oh in your house. <laughs> <laughs> like your life is literally a Fox News cautionary tale. <laughs> yes, a Christmas-themed man cave, and like that's all it is. Yeah, don't come exactly. in here. I just decorate my desk. Yeah. I'm celebrating Jesus. That's my life. Sorry, guys. Try no, no, no. I actually, I actually based on this, I think we need to just pump the brakes on the rest of the podcast and just kind of get into this. <laughs> Are you all right? Like, do hey, you feel safe at home? It works out for me, man. I get both sides. It's perfect. I get the blowouts. Like, it's not – there's one thing in this current U.S. society, I mean, obviously pre-pandemic, more – intensely uh we have christmas there is no war it's everywhere we're talking about christmas movies in freaking november we're okay we have enough we're on the fucking front lines of that shit man (laughs) that's right but yeah you must feel so subjugated much like x Yes. Thank you for ringing us back in there, Mega. Uh, Mega, do you just want to take over the podcast? Because I think it's probably for the best. (laughs) And Travis, for all your, uh, you know, kind of compliment sandwich, I think that was still very positive what you said. I mean, like, no, no, I have I I have very little negative to say about this. Um, Like I said, it's it's 42 minutes, so it really shouldn't piss anybody off too badly at the very worst but i i thought it was charming i thought the designs were fucking cute i thought when it got silly and weird it got really silly and weird and i was into that i could have used more always but i understand that my sensibilities are uh, are not favrovian in their uh, appeal to the netflix <laughs> audience um i i mean there's a couple things that that are a little weird like um Anyway, I'm gonna. Wait. I want to. I want to hear Mega's take on this because there's a couple places where shit happened, and I was like, "Ooh, Mega's gonna say some stuff." But I, may, I might be huh. reading too much into it. So now I now I think I might I might just want to sit back and 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 let Milady here talk. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, def- I desperately want to hear Mega's too because she always has some weird twist that you know. I hope X doesn't uh, end up being in QAnon, which I believe is what you no. said oh, as yeah. your preview oh. thing. <laughs> great yeah yeah that was her off the rails like huh we got single letters here you know who else does q she managed to bring flying drone dildos into jingle jangle so i'm just saying like i as i watch anything now i do uh i do try to take in the the mega factor yeah i don't know it's okay so i'm just in myself so i don't know it's everything i'm like i don't think i have a unique perspective at all but we'll see i really enjoyed this movie it was really mesmerizing i liked it aesthetically 
and then like the length was perfect and even my cat liked it because it had like good shapes and movement so i'd say put your cat in front of this <laughs> just like have a fun unless, 42 minutes unless like, your cat has strobe epilepsy because your oh, cat will yeah, fucking true. stroke out hard yeah, during the third act totally but I liked the, I like representation of greys, um, which are one of the one of the species of aliens, as you all know. There are tall whites and greys. I love representation of greys in the media. Like representation sure. matters. Um, I liked. I just. I don't know. I don't have anything crazy to say because I was just watching the whole thing and I was just like going for a little rock. Okay, here's one thing. One thing is that. You mentioned the the relationship with the engineer and his family, and it was very Bob Cratchit. And in that case, Santa becomes the Scrooge character of that of the the Scrooge story, yeah. which is weird. And uh, Santa's but, the uh, union buster in this film. Yeah, Santa is kind of scary. I like Santa's that. a union buster in this film. If you the fucking reindeer in this movie are one. 100% Teamster local. There is not a <laughs> doubt in my brain. And I swear, if you ask any one of those reindeer, they will be able to tell you where to get the best bagels in Christmas Town because those reindeer, I'm, I'm saying they oh. walked a certain stereotype, all right? Oh, I like the reindeer a lot. I love the reindeer a lot, but I just think it's funny that like there's a weird undercurrent here about like, hey, if we don't get our Christmas rocket going, Christmas is ruined. And all the reindeer are like, Fuck boo. you! Yeah, like, I like when they're like right Like the reindeer standing right there, dude. When you're like, "What happens if the rocket doesn't work?" Oh, Christmas is ruined. Yeah. I guess a, another just giant f you to the reindeer. Yeah. Really right. And true. what I liked about this is that you know we are kind of I guess the Fabrovian to to Travis's point I guess works <laughs> on me because right. this is a very simple plot and and yet. It can go, obviously, all kinds of weird directions, which we'll get to in a minute. But the basics of, like, uh, extraterrestrials attempt to steal Earth's gravity. Only the gift-giving spirit of Christmas and a small alien named X can save the world. And basically, it's just a race of kleptomaniacs, which is insane, just want to take the gravity off so they could just kind of suck up everybody's stuff because they're obsessed with stuff. That's kind of perfect for a christmas movie uh i mean although it's it, it's basically just repackaging the grinch that stole christmas yeah totally uh i mean it works in a way and you know i obviously totally. the whole the whole race that like the z overlord i kind of i really liked that connection that character that they created with that um and kind of saying how being duplicitous and being evil is like made him like this shining star that he wanted to be. And then it's not what he wants anymore. I like that kind of feeling. It's basically getting a promotion in the Trump administration. Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully coming to an end soon. Uh, Sorry to put my politics out there. Whatever. I don't fucking care. Um, I don't fucking care. Come for me, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) But I felt like this was definitely another success for Netflix, especially with their animation stuff. They're, they're doing great jobs, especially now at Christmas time. Uh, I thought it was a fun, cute story full of uh, excellent twists. Uh, and to your point, it could have gotten weirder, but I think mm. this works for like the whole family. So I think yeah, that's kind of what they that. wanted with that, with how they pulled it off. 
And there were certain things that I absolutely love. That puppy is fucking adorable. Holy shit. Like, yes. on another level of cute, I don't know how they pulled that off or whether the stop motion does anything, but my God. Also I- generated a whole other level of dread for me because when she's taking aim at that puppy with the, the gift wrap gun, I'm like, there's like an 80% chance that we're about to see a puppy be strangled to death. <laughs> totally. It really wasn't. So it's a very small chance of that. But like that was my immediate, my immediate go-to reaction. I also liked a lot of the, the stuff that happened to the aliens post kind of like getting together with Christmas town, like the, the fact that the, the colors that they all turn and how they all mm. transform, turn into a Christmas tree spaceship. I thought that was dope. That was uh, fun. Yeah. Uh, and just even the, the carry ons through like them delivering the packages and kind of all going out and you're seeing all the cities across the world in that yeah. stop motion animation stuff I thought was really well done. So I think yeah. I think the only the biggest complaint that I can level against it and having not read the book, I have no idea if this is the Favreau of it all or if this is Netflix or if this is something else. I think it did itself a little bit of a disservice by being slightly too derivative in a number of places. There were a number of places where they were very clearly doing big knowing nods to like like Grinch, you know, uh, Grinch, for example, like the, sure. the when, when she using the puppy, that whole thing is a fucking Cindy Lou who like it's it's pretty much direct. Yeah. And I just feel like there's a couple other places where they lean real heavy into a trope or they lean real heavy into something that we've already seen in another Christmas movie. And in 42 minutes, like what makes this unique is the throwback animation and then the weirdness factor. So to kind of take those moments and waste them on the very familiar and the very just just for again to to call back to to mega's call on jingle jangle the the artificial nostalgia of it all that to me i think was a bit of a mixed opportunity and made the whole thing weaker than it could have been i enjoyed it a lot but i enjoyed it on like a b level it definitely doesn't reach like an a all-time greats for me yeah, for what it was, I, I definitely think uh, that it hit all a lot of the right notes that I wanted out of it. I mean, I, again, not seeing this also through like a, I can just see it through like a 10-year-old's eyes just being oh, like, sure. holy shit. Like they're going to war in Christmas Town. Santa's my like nephews are going to lose their minds over this flick. A hundred yeah. P. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just once it, it cranks up, even just a little, it cranks up all the way and Santa, it is Santa with nunchucks is everything that you want in a fucking Christmas movie yeah you know what I'm saying like yeah. which is funny they, they do because not right in here I don't mean to damn it with faint praise and I don't mean to like pick it apart but just in the interest of being like completely honest and like giving a real perspective on it there's missed opportunity there and there's things that they half-assed that they didn't need to overall though it hangs together very very well and it's a it's a fun flick yeah and how did you guys feel like, I know, Travis, you were saying your nostalgia thing with Rankin Bass. Mega, where do you fall with those, like those old, like, you know, uh, the Rudolphs and the older, oh like. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I admitted this to, to Chad the other day. I've never seen those movies. No way. I don't know how. It just didn't happen. <laughs> there was a bunch of movies that I just was supposed to see as a child, like um, Labyrinth and, uh. The one with the like Tom Cruise on a dog, and I that I just never <laughs> saw. I don't know what happened. I don't. Spoiler know alert: That's not actually Tom Cruise, and it's not actually a dog. The movie you're thinking well, of is Never Ending Story, but I get how you got there. 
Well, I don't know. Okay, I never saw it. No, no, no. I just, I just like that you were a hundred percent wrong, but I still knew exactly what fucking flick you were describing. Although so, I would yeah, totally I don't have watch that movie if Tom Cruise wants to put on a dog. Tom right? Cruise on a dog? Yeah, Neverending yeah. Story three, man. Let's do this shit. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, combine the Mission Impossible series with Neverending Story. I'm all about it. I've never seen somebody get a description more wrong, and yet me know precisely what they are talking yeah. about. No problem. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. He needs to Photoshop that immediately. <laughs> but so um, you haven't seen those. This is kind of no, like the cooler thing. I, yeah, so it was new to me in a way. Like, I knew they existed, but like the, yeah. the nostalgia wasn't part of like what was what was happening to me while I was watching it. I was just kind of like... you're familiar nice. with the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, the aesthetic for sure. Right. And I was like, this is just pleasant. And I was just thinking like, oh, I would like to watch this because it's for kids, like with my niece and nephew would be really cute. And then, but I didn't pick out anything like specific. I kind of just went with it, except for one thing. There were like some little gags that they had that I enjoyed. But one, okay, this is really dumb. I have to write, I have to say something from my notes. There was a part where it's like he has to put together the, the Gravitron thing or whatever yeah, it's yeah. called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's Close like enough. all the equipment. And that's an Allen wrench. Ollie has an Allen wrench. I wrote, oh, that's Allen. a fun. Yep. I wrote Alien Wrench. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's the kind of shit that killed in the writer's room. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved that. I thought it was a really funny, like, Ikea nod and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I dug I on dug that. It. Yeah. I don't think I got to your level of wordplay, though, oh, Megan. Yeah, that's, that's what separates yeah. you as, a, as the, the comedian. It's true. It was a part. Did, okay, I cried, I think, during each and every one of these movies we're going to talk about today, which I'll tell you also, even though I have a cold heart, it's a low bar. I will cry so easily. Oh, especially in the pandemic. You've been, you've been hanging out with Chad way too much, man. <laughs> what happened What happened to, like, the, the bitter candy shell that you used to be surrounded with? Well, look, I have a Christmas tree. Holy nice. shit. Well, and that's going to play very well for the podcast, by the way. Yeah. So what happened was, just like X, <laughs> I have been imbued with the spirit of Christmas. And I don't know what to tell you. Once it happens. Also explains, also explains why you're bright purple now and not so damn pasty gray. <laughs> I know. It was a joke because of the aliens, but I took it really Visual jokes <laughs> for the audio medium. Visual <laughs> jokes for an they audio how, medium. They don't know how beautifully tan I am. I'm ama- I have a tan. I'm bronzed for the gods. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if we're making this shit up, I have an eight pack. <laughs> I love you guys so much. All right. But one, too, but one thing uh, I didn't like so much, unfortunately, is the next movie we're going to talk about. Uh, like we said up front, Dolly Parton is an unassailable legend. But my God, Dolly Did we Parton. say that up front? Because I really want to make sure that we make this perfectly clear before you spend the next arguably 20 minutes tearing her work a new asshole oh yeah no absolutely she uh you know if we didn't get that on the air i believe we did but uh yeah totally dolly Parton. i think we were on the air when we were talking oh, okay about excellent and perfect this is even better uh dolly part like she's on that short list uh her mel brooks betty white you know just people i just want to check in on all the time willie nelson there's certain people that i'm just like 
they need to be the Highlander. They need to never die. They just need to keep filling us with joy. And Dolly- I, yeah, <laughs> I will fucking fight you behind a fucking Burger King if you talk <laughs> shit about Dolly Parton. I will fucking fight you. No, here's the thing. Even no, for, this is in the, general, not you specifically, Andrew. For sure. This is, this but, is to the public. Yeah, <laughs> and and the. For this movie, I think actually the Dolly stuff, like, because she plays an angel in this. So I'll just do the the quick overview because um, it's it's a pretty. You mean Im- she plays herself? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she is an uh, an angel in this one, and she also wrote all the songs. It's a very heavy musical. So if you're like me, where um, I can enjoy a musical, but if you don't like those musicals where it's almost every waking second is a fucking song, um, then back off this one because it's not going to be for you. Um, but the plot line is pretty basic, especially for like a Christmas plot stuff we were just talking about. You talked about the Scrooge Cratchit thing. It's, you know, a mild case of that, too, because it's someone who's, you know, trying to it's a wealthy person, Regina Fuller, who is returning to her hometown to evict the residents and sell the land to a mall developer. And this town is basically like the weirdest concoction. Mega, I don't know how you felt about the creation of this town, but it's basically like its own little kind of Christmas village type place. But it's odd because I, I wrote this down. I definitely want to address this up top before we get to the actual movie because I want to know that I'm not insane. So basically, this movie, I don't know that we're going to be able to clear that up, Andrew. So That's a lot to ask. Christine Baranski's character, her father owned the town. And he, he, he basically thought he was being this super nice guy because he would keep the rents low to keep the spirits high. That was like their little thing. Um, how about let people own their shit? Like you just, (laughs) you just own a town who the fuck owns a town. And then you rent it out to them. Like they have the privilege of living there. Like this weird, I don't understand this dynamic. And then he watches over it every night. Yeah. He has this like house on the hill. (laughs) Like what the fuck? (laughs) I didn't understand that at all. Like they try to make this almost like a, I actually wrote, and I, I, I think, I hope Travis will appreciate this. The first thing I wrote, especially from, there's like a huge 10 minute opening number that seems to never end. And the first <laughs> thing that I wrote down was this movie is so sugary sweet. It makes, it's a wonderful life look like a snuff film. <laughs> like I wrote that in the first few minutes of this movie. First so, of all, I think that discounts how incredibly fucking dark it's a wonderful life actually is. True. On yeah. Re- you need to, yeah, that true. movie is fucking oh, dark as i watch fuck. it every year but it's yeah so yeah. uh yeah so so uh it, you don't have to do much to be more sugary sweet than that um but yeah i mean it's what the fuck though man it's dolly parton like i do i do think that there's a certain baseline expectation that people need to go into things with and if you fucking load up for a dolly parton christmas special you're gonna get a lot of music and you're gonna get a lot of sweetness you're probably not gonna get a lot of like nuance or uh genuine peril i'm gonna go yeah and this is not her first christmas movie this is just her first netflix thing uh as far as christmas goes i mean but i believe mega you said you watched the dolly parton like heartstrings and some of the other things yeah some of the heartstrings no and this is the thing with dolly parton when you're going from and this is why i always look at those three little words that come with any netflix fair 
And for this one, the words were inspiring, heartfelt, and campy. They're always campy. Right. I love the camp factor. I will right. tell you, I loved, there are many exclamation points on this. I didn't like the movie. I'll tell you, even though <laughs> overall, no, it was bad. I would never watch it again. There were yeah. so many things that I was very excited about because they were so dumb or just great. Like Dolly Parton as a beggar, like, but a fabulous yes. beggar. <laughs> yeah. I was like, like lit lit by like the angels themselves like and, and also the entire movie even when christine baranski also queen from sybil amazing that she was in this but there maybe i don't know in the same age range age age range i'm not sure but dolly would be lit like <laughs> so much light like i don't know where they got it and her skin would be poreless and then she'd be doing Christine this disservice of just like darkness. We can see every mold. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a scene in the very beginning, like right after um, uh, Christine Barant, I don't know her, the character names ever, when she Regina, handed all the pink or, slips. Yeah. Regina, of course, that's a perfect name. I do remember that. Totally. Because of a gag from later. So like when she handed out everything, then she's like, but you're going to cut my hair tomorrow. <laughs> you're going to cut my hair tomorrow, right? To this woman she just kicked yeah, out. Yeah, she's evicting everybody. And it's like, so you're still going to cut my hair, right? Yeah. In this haircutting scene, I wrote down like uh, she should not let this woman cut her hair this woman is yeah she's gonna mess it up on her like it's so obvious she's chopping aggressively just at her hair and it it, but then her hair somehow just turns out fine (laughs) but it's everything turns out fine which is exactly how badly do you need a hair how badly do you need a haircut wait to go back into the town you came from you're literally evicting people that day I know she's nutty. It is weird, and you can't. You don't really. Okay, we'll get into the backstory of what made her so up, like evil uh, in the in the first place. Yo, this uh, gets in, dark so fast in this movie. For that people. is so Dolly though. That is Dolly. That's heartstrings. It'll be like giggly, weird, where it can't be, and the acting is bad. I have a mess, and it's like what. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yo, uh, Travis, I know you didn't uh, manage to catch this one, but my God, the left turn, this, it's actually worse than what she's like. So it, this movie's just going Sorry. along. Okay. It's going to take me a while to <laughs> recover from ding dong MS. <laughs> yeah, watch Heartstrings. Watch That's that amazing. noise, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to for that reason. I have enough misery in my actual life. I don't need to invite extra in. Oh, no. Oh, so, so dolly. This one, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it later. We'll let Travis settle in. But man, the left turn that <laughs> this takes shit. in the middle of, of this movie. Uh, for a lot of people, if, if, if I was to sell this movie to people, like obviously Dolly Parton is A number one, but like Christine Baranski, is capital A acting the shit out of this thing for like oh, yeah. no reason? Like, for no I, mean, reason. I mean, because, well, I mean, because man, if you look at the stuff on the page, it's just not there. Yeah. But like, my God, she is killing it in this thing. Uh, and so is Treat Williams. Welcome back, Treat Williams. Uh, oh, yeah, I, ha- yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him in something in a minute. Um, I, I really like the show White Collar. He w- did a small run on that show, but 
you know, he's been around for, wow. Like, a lot of these people are, like, people who have been around forever, like we mentioned with Christine Baranski. You have Sybil. You have The Good Wife, The Good Fight. Like, she's been in a million musicals as well. She was in Chicago. She was in both Mamma Mia's. She's, you know, she's always dialed up to be in a, in a musical. So that's cool. Um, but, yeah, Treat Williams, like, people, if you're younger-ish, you'll probably know him from, like, Everwood or, you know, Heartland on TNT or something. If you're maybe older, uh, you know, Hair was like the first big thing. So that was like musical that he was a big part of uh, back in the day. And then me, I have an, a, a random HBO movie. If you ever seen The Late Shift, where it's the battle between Jay Leno and David Letterman to take over Carson's spot, he plays uh, the agent Mike Ovitz in that, and I always remember him as that. So there's always, like, one role that you remember that one person yeah. like, and, and that's for it. me, for me and it's Willis. the 1988 American buddy cop action zombie comedy film Dead Heat. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Co-starring Joe Oh, It's a piece of shit. Oh it's my an absolute God. piece of shit. Yeah, everything you just said sounds like an yeah, episode of How should, Did This Get Made. Yeah, should warn you off of this film, correct. Yeah, but uh, speaking of the 80s, uh, this movie is directed and choreographed by Debbie <gasps> yes! Allen. Who yes! Nice. Yeah. All right, that's fucking dope. So I'm assuming both of your reactions coincide with fame? Yes. Um, partly fame. Yeah, partly fame, but also uh, my wife is a big like "So You Think You Can Dance" fan, and she was very yes. in the early seasons of that. Like she was a, a judge and a coach and stuff early on. So, so then, um, and she... I mean, just just the woman's the woman's fucking career. I mean, Debbie Allen fucking rules. Oh yeah, I mean, she's not only uh, just awesome in everything she does in her career, but she's also the sister of Felicia Rashad. So it's like, what what better family do you I have? Didn't that's... know that. Yeah. I mean, that's... She... I didn't until I did the research. Yeah, it's awesome. Speaking of the name Felicia, though, there is a line read that I will do Uh that Dolly Parton had to say this. Uh Is this going to go on your audition reel? She said, by Regina, very much trying to be like, Like by Felicia. 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 And it was like, no, no, Dolly, don't, don't. Don't do it, but... Don't lower yourself to their level, Dolly. I want to do another line read. Okay, here's Christine Baranski. This is the first time we've seen a homeless person here. Well, you better get used to it. (laughs) I'm confused, though, which one was Dolly and which one was Christine? Baranski in that oh, the one with a little I, bit more stank on it is absolute Dolly. Come on, you should know that, Travis. did it perfectly. You, Andrew, for fucking up my bed. You really, you really just... God damn, you are bad at improv. All right. <laughs> hey, man. We've had some really happy? good ones on these uh, Christmas episodes. I think the first, uh, when we did the preview episode, Mega and Chad and I came up with a whole Too Fast, Too Christmas movie oh, yes, uh, yes, treatment, yes. which oh. did very well. So, God uh, damn it. Does that mean that all of my, uh, all of my uh, Tyrese jokes for Christmas Chronicles 2 have pretty much already been taken? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I love the tie-in. I will take them all. Um, but, but just uh, I would have presumed kind of, that would that was the thing that kicked this off. Yeah, um, but more things for I just wanted to wrap up kind of like the cast and some of the setup for this. If you're trying to sell this movie to people before we butcher it, uh, the you I you had mentioned so you think you can dance. Uh, I assume that Debbie Allen knows 
Janine Mason, who won season five of So You Think You Can Dance. Cause That's she where I knew her film. from. I, I could only first figure know. it out. Gosh. Yes. Yeah, she's also if, from Grey's Anatomy in Roswell, New Mexico on CW, but she's big for like she was the youngest person she's ever when so you think dancer, you can yeah. dance yeah yeah and, she's and you can tell that's her strong suit in this yeah, i love her she's um, and then jennifer lewis is in here which i was so happy to see that's a cool throwback for me she uh for anyone who maybe isn't familiar she was uh in she was on helen in fresh prince of bel-air who was like Aww. really sassy over sex like kind of crazy woman in there that uh, she has had so much attitude i loved her to death in that show she was also in sister act and she was in mystery men she was married to william h macy if you remember that oh, yeah, role. Yeah, yeah yeah so she's, <laughs> that, she's that's the thing that i actually remember her from dude oh i know hey man i'm sure, I'm yeah. sure she's thrilled that out of her entire Real. that's the thing where i'm like yeah i know that lady yeah exactly doesn't care about you no but the, sure okay speaking of you were talking about how it's like they're looking she's looking over this town like a scrooge but i thought of more of like cersei lannister because there's a scene <laughs> where they're all like talking about what they're gonna do to her and i was like i hope they don't strip her naked and walk her through the town square because <laughs> that would take such a turn that would be such a turn yeah, that so, would be awesome. To the, to the tune of Jolene, if it's going to happen. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's very aesthetic. But there's, so there's yeah. the whole undercurrent of this is she's selling the town to build a mall. So there's the whole build a mall, build a mall, which is nobody is chanting. I just made that <laughs> no. up. He has, you know. That was on the cutting she, room floor, unfortunately. That's like when she, maybe they wanted to really go into her having a brain tumor more and like really she like uh, invented, okay, because there's a brain tumor that's part of it too. Yeah, there's a brain tumor plot here. Yeah. Brain tumor scare. A damn better be. There's child a child bartender. Yeah, the kid bartender, literally a child by herself, no parent there, selling alcohol to another human being. But literally, what a dream. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. It's such a weird scene. I, I was I was so mad. I literally wrote down, um, what the fuck, kid bartender, shut this town down. I had no sympathy for this town. I was hoping that it got turned into a mall at certain points. Oh, my in this God. Movie. I wrote. I would be willing to bet you dollars to donuts that some of these little towns that like Dolly's been through and has grown up in, you've got more than one kid bartender in that town. It's possible. She might have been down. I wrote down, okay, I would literally kill to go to a bar and drink and sing with a child right now. I would kill to go to a bar and do anything, but like, but basically, I'm pro. Part of it all, though, it's not the child part that was really (laughs) moving your meter. I don't know. The child, the child was good, but it didn't pass my Bechdel test for children that I have of children's movies, which I'll talk about when we get to Christmas Chronicles too. (laughs) So. So here's here to your point about the dolliness of this whole thing, the darkness that goes in the middle of these movies. Mm-hmm. So, so literally, while the whole town is figuring out ways to like get back or kill this woman, <laughs> she's in a bar being served by an eight-year-old child. <laughs> and in the middle of it, they're talking about the deaths of their like respective parents. This kid tells a story. Uh, about the death of her mother and how it ends up being Regina's fault and she's saying it to her face like like because she doesn't know that this is the same person and I was doing the math I don't know if you had this problem too Mega when she's telling this story she's easily seven or eight now her 
the kid is three months old when it happens. Her dad, uh, yeah, so the dad died only a couple of years ago. I, I don't understand how the math works where this is Regina's fault. This kid is not like three years old. This kid is an So there's a timeline problem then ultimately to Very it. odd timeline problem. So like uh, the dad dies for Regina about six months. No, the mom died. A year ago. Oh, the da- oh, Regina's Her dad. Her dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then the mother dies yeah. for the, the like the seven or eight-year-old kid. And it's like, so how long ago? Like, why is this Regina's fault? I had a lot of problems with the timeline stuff. Uh, it was going very awry. So even no, just the fact that it's that. a child bartender – the the whole sad sap stuff in the middle of it just didn't work for me as well um but yeah so you go from so dead dad on her side dead mom on her side then this child bartender <laughs> who's already got a missing parent gets into a car accident right um yeah. that that she ends up going to the hospital and needs brain surgery and this is, meanwhile... I, I blacked out during this part. I was yes. going to say, i like, Jesus, man, there's a lot going on in this yeah. flick. Hold on. So, <laughs> she, so, Violet is the little girl's name. She has a traumatic brain injury and surgery. And this, and meanwhile, Christine Baranski is also fighting the news of a possible brain tumor while she's also finding out that when she was a child, she had to give, she had to, she, as a teen, she had to give up her child for adoption and, did, and didn't know where this child went, didn't have any clue what, however it went after she delivered this child. And it's this gut wrenching scene of her dad taking her baby away and just giving it away. And there's like, part of me that just has this image of Dolly in the writer's room going, Nope, y'all, nobody's miserable enough yet. Keep going. Nope, <laughs> keep going. Gotta make him really sad before we make him happy at the end. Yeah. Oh my God. But it's also a Dolly thing that we forgive everyone. So the yes. father is still not a devil. He did what he had to do, and it's it's was a decision that was hard to make. And it's oh, it's always, always with Dolly. It's always so intense. Yeah, um, child bartender. But you're saying okay, if the timeline is off, and it was only a couple of years or months or something, maybe Dolly originally was like a three-year-old bartender, and they were like, nope, bartender has to be, <laughs> has at, to least be at least eight years old. Yeah, it has to be the height of the bar. That's that's really <laughs> the only thing that had to clear to make this work out. Um, but, and I I don't know, like there's so much of that stuff that just kills me. Um, the, the fact that at the end, when, when she gets the doctor that she needs and has the brain surgery, this is one of those things, Travis, where like everything happens in like one day and of course, and somehow this child gets into a car accident, has emergency brain surgery gets out of the hospital goes down to the square in the middle of town by the end of the movie to celebrate and sing songs with everybody because regina's back to being a human being and not kicking everyone out sounds legit it's wild it's so wild this time and then meanwhile in between all this is just song after song after song after song after song so if you can't handle that shit do not dial up this movie. It is an experience. 
I yep. was just floored every five minutes in this movie, just going, what the hell is happening? I have a feeling every... that if you are like, uh, uh, I think that there's a certain target audience for this from what you're describing that is just going to lose their fucking shit. For me, this sounds worse than like heavy duty dental work. Yeah, it's re- I-, I can't handle it. Mega, you seem to at least have like suffered I got some, a lot it. of joy. Yeah. I wrote, every man in this town is gay. For sure. Um, for sure. It's fine. It's fine. But uh and also I wrote a lot of positive things. I love a dance. I love Lots I love good dancing dance. around, tons of dancing around. I love a good gazebo. This great gazebo in this town. Yeah, in the center. It was square, very yeah. like Heart of Dixie vibes to me, like the corny cheesiness of the show Heart of Dixie. Uh-huh. If you just imagine all the charm of that town. Love it. Love it. But yeah, not in the end, not, I don't really like, it's very churchy. I'm not a church very, person. Yeah. And the twist though, the twist is so weird, um, but perfect. I with, love it. With the adoption thing? With who her son turns out to be yes. at the end. Yeah. So I thought bizarre. it was quite obvious once that plot was going through, but it is still an odd twist. It's odd. Yeah, it's weird. Also, I want I desperately want to know your opinion on this, Mega, because we talked about Jingle uh, Jingle Jangle, and you referred to the postwoman in there as thirsty. And <laughs> I was like really thinking like she was way over the top and just like trying to fuck Mr. Jangle all the time. Um that well that was a thing that actually happened. Like that was that wasn't Mega's perspective. No, that was yeah, literally what you. we saw on the screen. Well thank you. I'll I'll try to one up this. I put this in my notes. Uh, I was very crazed by it myself. For how much I love Treat Williams in this movie, oh my god, when he finds out the true story of Regina's backstory with the adoption thing and her timeline and all that stuff and where this is going, he doesn't wait one fucking second. Regina ends her speech to the town. She gets her newly found son's wife in her ear, says maybe she could be a grandmother one day. And Treat Williams, who up to this point has not been side by side with Regina. They've been kind of, you know, upset with each other because of the evictions and everything else. They used to date, Travis, just for your knowledge. Um, he so rolls, coming out of completely left gear. He rolls up and he's like, he chimes in and says, and I'll be a grandfather. They're not together yet again. No way. Like this woman just got a new son, just got a new daughter-in-law, whatever brings up being a grandmother. And this dude just sidles up and he's like, and I'll be the grandfather. I'm like, you need to calm the fuck down. Treat Williams. And then like a few minutes later, he then introduced, uh, he's like, Oh, he's like, you you owe me a dance right in the middle of her, like, bonding with her newly, uh, like, found out adopted son. <laughs> like, or hey, uh, the son the that she for adopted. The, the, the confidence of a mediocre white man, my friend. That yes. is what we are seeing on display there. 100%. Oh, I love man, Treat but- Williams, but man, I want to know your opinion on this, Mega. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even phase me but like it phases me that she says uh I'll be a grandmother maybe I'll be a grandmother like that couple has been having fertility problems through the entire movie yeah and so it's Have like drive I'm that surprised that somebody doesn't too. just cry and like run away like, <laughs> yeah, that's a little that's a little fucked up as an end move there <laughs> so mega you did mention you hit the waterworks though in what part in this oh, movie because yeah, this wait. is all over the map 
Where did I cry? I usually write it down. I can't find it. Maybe I didn't cry. I probably definitely cried with the, what the did kid I write? in the oh, hospital. Little girl with cancer. Yeah, I probably, because there was a song and I, I just wrote OMG the song, but I have no idea what it was. Right. When they, when they're, I, I watched this days ago. I don't know. Her oh dad, is, like the dad of Violet, little Violet, who has the brain surgery. <laughs> he's on fire in this movie. Like he is the best singer of everybody. Which oh, is that's what it was. Oh my God. His voice was so And he good. has this forehead vein that goes yes. all the way back into the Passionate. middle of his head. He is like so intense. Yes it's insane and he sings at such a high register he's wow he was intense uh and so good for a movie that's full of intensity and tons of dancing weirdly enough um it is probably the most intense stuff in the whole movie he's like on another level uh i don't know what, oh what, i think i definitely cried that, during but, that yeah. during yeah. his singing for sure Ugh, the runs oh <laughs> So you seem to be mildly more forgiving. Would you say to a person who is a Dolly fan that they should at least give this one a try? Should. <laughs> yes. Yes. Dolly is amazing in this. Dolly as an angel is perfect. She dresses her angel uh, outfits that she yeah. floats around on a cloud. That looks great. That's so fair. beautiful. There's a shirt she wears. It's like a country western shirt that would have fringe, but instead it has feathers because she's an angel. It's <laughs> perfect. She looks amazing. Yeah, you should watch it. She looks amazing. Even as a homeless person, got to watch yeah. it. Yeah. And like I said, you also get really good Christine Baranski and Treat Williams and Janine Mason is super hot. Uh, I would she is great uh and can dance the hell out of things so there are some mild positives but it's 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 a very messy messy over the top movie so enjoy it if any of that stuff if you're like i just need to witness this like a car accident or you're just so into deli part and you're gonna watch it anyway so what do you care what i say uh but yeah that one's a uh <laughs> A weird one for this time of year. Real hostile with your audience there for a minute, aren't you? Like, yeah. well, fuck you, people. You. What do you want from me anyway? God damn it. I feel that way every week. Um, Jesus, man. <laughs> calm down. These people are tuning in to hear your opinion. Oh, they're, they're here on for your you guys. side, Please. dude. I only bring the best. They know that. Um, so, speak, so, we're going to do the Christmas Chronicles. Speaking of the best. Night. Yeah. Well, speaking of the best. We'll see. We'll see what everybody thinks. Uh, like I said, uh, it is currently the king on Netflix right now. It is number one uh, as far as the movies go in their top ten. It is, and rightly fucking so, in my humble opinion. I mean, uh, and this is spoken, Travis. Uh, neither of you have actually watched the first one. So it's a very interesting uh, perspective difference that we're all going to have in terms of that because chad and i uh did our second episode ever for the nomcast on the christmas chronicles the first movie and apparently people are very interested not only uh in this movie but the first movie because the first movie is also in the top 10 right now and it's currently blowing up on my I, my nomcast feed a lot of people nice. are going back and seeking that episode nice. out so people are really well, good for this year. I, I, I got to be honest. One of the things I came here to ask was like, how does it compare to the first one? Because if the first one is qualitatively like this, like I'm fucking all in, man. I had a goddamn blast with this movie. The first one is a lot more straightforward. This one, mm -hmm. I, I feel like it was one of those things that 
plot wise with this one you end up kind of just waiting on bell snickel the whole time to just kind of be like okay where's the plot gonna go because nothing drives it it's just waiting for bell snickel to fuck something up and then how do we fix this so it's not really something that drives really well in my opinion in terms well, I mean, of it's a plot. Christmas movie, so what? What else would drive it? You know, like you're you in a Christmas movie. What have you got? You've got either, um, you know, a a dead parent or uh, something else, or like you've got somebody trying to steal and fuck with Christmas. Right, and well, and then the first movie, uh, you had the whole needs to save, get Santa back straight to save Christmas because. You know, his sleigh gets damaged. He, you know, has issues with, you know, time jumping and all this other stuff. Some of the stuff that ends up carrying over to the second one. But, you know, the first one is just kind of like, you know, two young children who had a, a father who absolutely loved Christmas pass away, you know, the previous year, I believe, in that timeline. And, you know, they, they encounter Santa at, at kind of their lowest point you know, or whatever, and, mm-hmm. you know, have to save Christmas. This one, a little bit different, a little more, like, grown-up yeah, well, family I mean, I mean, drama, once, a little more hangover. Once you've done that, it's not really, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to that well again? Like, that that makes sense to me that this would become a more, you know, now we've established kind of the fact that there is a Santa and here are some of the rules around him. Like, for the second one now, we're going to, you know, have a, have a blast and do something uh, a little bit, a little bit more in the, uh, you know, the year without a Christmas or, uh, or things like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and going back to those classics. Yeah, totally. I get that. And, and to be honest, a lot of what they did um, I thought was good or made sense in terms of setting up the Santa's like, take us to the North pole, let us like live in that world and show the actual budget of this thing where you actually get to see all of, you know, Santa's village quote, Mrs. Claus village. If you watch the movie, Um, you know, so that, that whole thing, you get to let Goldie Hawn have more of a role this time. She was just a cameo in the first one. Now she's a a fully fleshed out character in this one. Fucking love Goldie Hawn. And I I, love her. I will say, I thought Christmas Chronicles, the first one was pretty good. It was, it was, it was good for what it was. It was a big splash in terms of a Christmas movie, but you know, for an actual movie movie, it, it was okay. This one, a lot of the things that I liked about the first one stay true because I just think Kurt Russell is insanely good as Santa Claus. Like, I, Oh I, my God. It, this movie asked the question, what if Santa Claus were hot? Yeah. Holy shit. Yes. My fucking wife after was like, Hey, um, I don't know how to say this, but uh, <laughs> Kurt Russell Santa, I was like, he can get it, right? She's oh like, oh, God. yes, he can get it. Yeah. Well, here's a, a prime example. I saw this little video snippet that Netflix put out where Goldie Hawn literally admitted that she couldn't deliver back one of her lines. Like, she was off camera delivering lines to Kurt Russell as Santa, and she mm-hmm. got lost in the moment of how good he looks as Santa, like, with the full beard and everything <laughs> oh else. And she just forgot her lines and just, just like, <laughs> they're like, Goldie, Goldie. Like, she just couldn't wake up. She was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe 
What is happening? Like, you shut up. I'm looking so at my man. I fucking, I fucking love them. Yeah, I fucking love them. The fact that it's the two of them together in this, it's just, it's a fucking blast. And and yes, Mega, the costumes. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, Leather I mean, this, duster, Santa, ugh. Although right? I will say, they kind of, I don't know what they were trying to do with Bellsnickel. Like, part of my biggest thing with this movie is two things. Bellsnickel, I thought, sucked as a written character. I thought yeah, he it was just, weird. and his performance, I like him a lot. Um, I love that, that kid. Julian Dennison. He was in yeah. Deadpool 2 and um, Hunt for the, the Wilder People. Yes, Hunt for the Wonder Yeah, Wilder People. You're absolutely right. And and he was great in also both on of those. Netflix right now, by the way. Yeah, and who knows? I believe he's also yeah, he's gonna be in Godzilla versus Kong that should be going to streaming soon too. So, you know, those movies you don't show up for Julian Dennison. But like if you're gonna <laughs> If you want to have a few decent actors in it, I'd be up for that, you know, based on what he's done previously. But man, the dialogue they give him, like his character, he just sucked. It just sucked for me. He I'm worked so- for me. And, and the other person he who didn't for work me. for me is Tyrese. I, I'm like, this, this is the best yeah. we could do? Like, I, I, I was like, what, what are we doing? Like, I don't know. Like, Tyrese's scenes are a lot more fun to me if I pretend that he's playing Roman from the fucking Fast and the Furious movies. So that's exactly what I did. I will say that <laughs> Tyrese, I find, I think Tyrese is a very attractive man. And sure. all, apparently it all it takes is to f- slap a shitty mustache on a former male model. And the dude just immediately becomes a 50 year old soccer dad. Like <laughs> that mustache was doing that dude. No favors. Um, no, no uh, all of this stuff before and after, the Christmas of it all, like all of the family stuff in the tropical resort has the same feel and aesthetic of like a goddamn lifetime movie. And that's what I kind of felt like I was getting into because I walked into this actually expecting the absolute worst. As soon as Kurt Russell shows up, I'm like, Oh my God, I am all in on this shit because he's, phenomenal and again hadn't seen the first one i want to go back now because i had so much fun with this one um but yeah he was fantastic the chris columbus um first of all this is chris columbus completely playing to type at one point my wife is like this fucking feels like gremlins and i'm like motherfucker wrote gremlins um well that's, it's it's not the Harry mention, Potter influence is very totally. heavily in there. Like all of the tricks that he learned from doing a Harry Potter flick, you can see in the Yule cat and the elves and in the, uh, the sleigh aesthetics and the, the steampunkiness of some of the stuff that Bell Snickles pulling out. Um, well, he even does a nod to his own damn movie uh, towards the end of the film when they're in the airport and they he does a, a ton of nods to his own flicks. Yeah. He does a complete but you're talking home about alone. the uh, Catherine O'Hara lookalike yes. homage. Yes, yes yeah. absolutely. So they did that in there. And then because he was best buds with John Hughes, he does a little Ferris Bueller thing uh, in that airport oh, yeah. as well. Like he does a lot of these like 80s movies nods that, I, you know, I enjoyed those. I actually thought the airport stuff was a lot of the best stuff. I thought the kind of the you know spoiler alert because i will say that this is so great uh that if for some reason if you're here and you haven't seen the movie i'm sorry but uh go go run don't walk and then come back the stuff with uh the young version of the dead dad 
and that whole connection thing. And again, doing the Ferris Bueller and the breakout and kind of the discovery. I thought that was the most genuine, real good scenes in the whole movie. And I understand that. I, I disagree really with good. that wholeheartedly. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Really? I honestly, I think that thing was whole. I, th- I honestly feel, <clears throat> again, I, with the exception of the, the early establishing stuff, because during that early establishing stuff, having no connection to the previous movie, I found the little girl to be utterly charmless. I didn't know why she was being such a bitch to her family. I didn't know why she was being so mean to her potential little brother. The whole time she's like, my dad's dead. I'm like, yeah, homegirl, that kid's like two years younger than you and his mom's dead too. So maybe have some fucking empathy. Like you're the one person who should be able to connect with how this kid's feeling. Again, as the minute the fucking second Kurt Russell shows up, I am all in on this movie, all killer, no filler. I enjoyed every single part of it unreservedly. The whole um, Rocky Horror Christmas show at the airport with Darlene Love. I mean, like, Jesus, man, that was it was just good times. Top to bottom. I, uh, I fucking loved the whole flick. And at a two hour running time, I'm <clears throat> I am not Chad. I do not like these things in general. I was not expecting to like this movie. I fucking loved this movie to the extent that I will go back and watch the first one. And this shit's going to be in rotation for me now as a holiday film. And I did not expect that would happen. A lot of it is because of the fact that I really kind of want Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn to be my parents anyway. So I'm, I'm kind of on board for that, but God, man, they, they bring everything you would want them to bring in a Christmas movie. Yes. It's not, terribly deep the peril is never terribly perilous um and and it's fucking silly in a lot of places but man i don't know i don't think you get a better version of this kind of flick honestly that's just my my take no i th- and they're popular for a reason I, there's there's a couple of that like i said and he's the best Santa i've ever seen like uh you could do yeah I mean, like, just off the top of my head, like, he's going to beat out, like, a Tim Allen or any of these other, like, newer ones that I have in my brain. So, like, it's a a great job by him and and for both movies. So, definitely Netflix has hit a home run with this series. And the fact that you don't usually get big stars like this to buy in on this level. Like, the fact that Kurt Russell is a producer on these, that he cares – He's there all the time. Like he really is yeah. into yeah, he's this. committed to this. It's clear. Like he's and, fully committed. And both of them are actually, I guess like they celebrate hardcore Christmas, like at, in their own I family. I could so lives. see that. Yeah. Yep. And, and so like, I guess, you know, it's great that they have people who again are just, it, you can sense the commitment. And like you said, Christopher Columbus totally is in too. He produced the first movie and then he steps in and he co-writes and directs this one. So, you know, I, I thought this was going to step up into another level. I, I think it did for uh, when it really mattered. But like I said, like uh, to me, my issues were just Bellsnickel is, I think, the, the biggest problem for me. If they if they did a better job fleshing out and getting that story right, I think I would have been more into it. Um, but, you know, I think it's again. I think it's a oh. good. I, I'm I'm going to go out on the limb that there's going to be a third Christmas Chronicles. I think I think <laughs> yeah. at this point, like you know, uh, and here's the thing as well. There should be. This is the kind of thing like if you actually put money into it, you could see the money in this. You could see the commitment. You could see people being involved who actually gave a shit. Yeah. I like Bell Snickle as a as a villain because to your point, there's not a lot of actual peril 
in the first one, again, as, as I'm understanding this, I think right. it's the kind of thing where when you introduce a villain, you can't just jump into like your, your Voldemort or whatever. I think what you're going to see in like the third one is maybe like the evil anti-Santa or something. I, I think you you step it up gradually. I think he does a good job of expanding the world of this movie. Yeah. And I also like the conceit that you can just keep aging these kids out and then just rotating their younger siblings or friends or cousins in as the, the surrogates to, to go on the sleigh ride at the end of the flick. Yeah. Elf Snuckle had little fingerless gloves even on his elf version. <laughs> right. That was he was so like a cute. chubby chubby little juvenile delinquent punk rock so elf. Cute. He was so cute. Uh, I loved it. Um and we need to talk even just about the tenets of elves the of being an elf. Yeah. Ego, the five rules. Lying, viciousness, envy and selfishness which spells elves very clever <laughs> yes um but he broke hey, all hey, those uh, hey, mega. Uh, yeah mega, i didn't i did not pick up on that so <laughs> and maybe that, maybe, yeah. maybe don't make fun okay <laughs> <laughs> no i love that stuff i love it so much and just but then let's think even about this is kind of a weird i love the town they built i love everything the costumes the, the, the whatever the like reindeer stables the house that's the definitely a standout for sure all of it but like the elves are themselves are kind of weird to yes me. like they look pretty creepy and it's weird that they're controlled by drugs that are shot out of cannons I, I said do, I do like that the central like threat here was that like it was just that they shot cocaine into a bunch of elves faces <laughs> yes because that's and, basically what it was oh they totally insane they had they had chainsaws. They were yeah. murderous. Yeah, These let's talk. Elves. It was let's, scary. Let's talk. About I assume though that in this world, if you chainsaw an elf in half, it just becomes two elves and a <laughs> shitload of like gingerbread snaps or something. Like I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about. Seems pretty durable. This movie gets super dark for like a short Ooh, period of time. It's like that the is purge. Like off the rails. Um, and no, it, it's like gremlins. Violence. Well, I it's guess like but fucking that is gremlins. Not, but that is not the tone this movie sets out to make, nor did the first one at all. So that's why it caught me off guard. That's like, the Chris time. Columbus influence right there, my brother. That I was the guess. part where like when that dude comes in and starts working on your screenplay, you're gonna get like some reindeer peril. You're gonna get like like at one point I was like genuinely like, did they fucking kill a reindeer, dude? <laughs> Well, yeah, so that's what I was going to yeah, mention. So Dasher nice. gets mauled sure. by a Yule cat that is like a like a giant puma or panther, some crazy cat that comes out. Uh, elves are on drugs that makes them violent. Um, I okay. mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, and then it takes drugs to get them down. It's insane uh, how this is. Judy Garland. And then that Yule cat almost <laughs> kills a child, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, that no, when Yule Cat doesn't almost kill a child. Yule Cat gets like blown up in the face and, and is taught not to fuck with that child. And and that was a becomes, fucking hero moment for my man. It becomes Jack, World by the way, War Three. That kid, Jack. I am a hundred percent on board with that kid. I uh, I had no real interest in the Witches remake. Yeah. But he, knowing that he anchored it, I'm kind of into it now. I'm kind of interested in seeing it. Hmm. I thought that kid did a great job. Yeah, Zemeckis and Chris Columbus kind of hang on the same corner. Like they both have gotten really like eccentric in their in their old age in terms of what they they pick for projects, and a lot of them get like 
a lot of weird animated stuff and a lot of like tech heavy stuff bringing but with their classic writing and how they like to do their films like this movie can we just talk about the elves real quick because uh, the first mm-hmm. i know we just did uh, a little bit all night. i just want like i they're so wacky and but like to me they are just basically Christmas minions, right? I said that in the first movie. Yeah. And they kind of carry over to that, but then amp it up like tenfold. Uh, because And then having this whole lore of going to Turkey and having it being guarded by these ancient elves and everything else. When they did Who wild. Let the Dogs Out, oh. I was livid. I was, was so, so angry. <laughs> I no, I was, I was so not angry. because I'm like, if you have these evil, this first of all, that song very clearly is on the naughty list oh, because they wouldn't be playing yeah. it otherwise. And what you've got is you've got a bunch of little cranked out naughty elves playing the worst possible song. That was what that scene was all about. That song was about that scene being ter- or sorry, okay, that scene was about that song being terrible. It's true. It's true. No, but another part of this, and I'm just getting back to Kurt Russell and like playing this role and how perfect it is. I remember a couple, like how hot he is, yeah, and how hot he is. And a few years ago, and um, when Quentin Tarantino was like uh, doing Death Proof and Proof and all that, yeah, he was saying like Kurt Russell used to play these badasses. Like, why has he been playing these cheesy characters? Because he'd been on in all like horse movies and all this stuff, and so he put him <laughs> in Death Proof. And Tarantino, I got, sorry, he was wrong. He's it's the best of both worlds. He, usually, he has to be a badass. Is. Yeah, cheesy badass is Kurt Russell's perfection. Ugh. He's an amazing yeah, Santa. Tar- Tarantino is often wrong about things. I know. And, uh, he knew. So, so this would be one of those areas where he certainly was not right. I also want to talk more about the airport scene because, and the whole twist of it all. Because so like there's this little this young boy that comes into it and the first thought for me because I've watching these movies for years is ooh I love interest for this little girl I, I love I thought the I love same little thing. girl because I love that little I love in those movies uh, where there's like the hot young boy that's right uh, because from when I was a child not still but like it's still like leftover yeah, sure, from when sure, I was sure. a child like. Whatever. Like, you know, the Mark Paul Gosslers and like the the Jonathan Brandises of the world. And it's like, I can't believe they had to cast like hot young boy. But like they right. still do that. It's just yeah. I've changed, I guess. But I was so excited. Hot young love interest. And then when it turned out it was her father, first of all, there are consequences to stuff like that. Like I was afraid they're gonna go back to the future and everything's gonna be different. Like she doesn't have, she doesn't have, like, she doesn't exist or her dad's not dead, but like other things. And then like, just, just there, there should be repercussions though. Like, even though they just met for a moment, she right. said something to him that was like, basically that he was like, you're right. And I was like, he's going to She's bad at time travel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't do that. Don't tell them anything. She literally. She's like saying at one point, she described her and been like, haven't you ever seen Back to the Future? Yeah. <laughs> I will confess I exactly like when when they're in there and they're doing the um, because the other problem with this is that in framing this scene <clears throat> Columbus has chosen to do a Ferris Bueller tribute so this scene is yeah. happening and what would be a a 
a uh, mirror to the Jennifer Grey, Charlie Sheen scene in Ferris Bueller, which ends with those two characters making out hard. So when (laughs) they bring us into this, I agree. My immediate thought is like, oh, Santa got her puberty for Christmas as her special present. Like, that's what I thought. Like, oh, for Christmas, Santa got her laid. Um, And then you're right. It turns out to be her dad. And I'm like, okay um and and you know immediately the kid like my my wife was my wife made me stop it so that we could look up who the kid was because she was like i just had that moment where i saw him and i was like that's a kid that either is somebody already or is going to do some things because oh she was like that's very... a hot kid your wife she has the eye for hot <laughs> yes kids. my wife was like that kid is really hot um totally that's a thing that my wife totally does um, <laughs> yeah no but she was she was like she was like it's kind of like timothy chalamet thing he's got a and i was like he's got a vibe and then we looked it up He's been in, um, I don't know if he was the the lead, but he was in uh, mid nineties yeah. uh, as well. So, oh, but, good. and, and as soon as he starts talking, he delivers a fairly treacly monologue, but he fucking lands that shit. Yeah, and in does. the context of the movie, it works perfectly. But yeah, if you frame a scene in reference to a scene that ends up in a lip lock, it's a little awkward when you find out that one of the characters is the other ones something well just some something to look forward to Trevor, because i know you said you really like the musical number uh so if you go back to the first movie uh he, santa gets put in jail uh for like an i, I know where you're going with this i looked this up yes yeah so stevie van zandt uh he ended up in the jail cell with him and being the guitar player for the song that they play in the jail cell in the first one. And I guess that relationship was so good uh, that he ended up writing and producing this song, the spirit of Christmas that they play in this movie. So like they, they even doubled down with that. And I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, yeah, and it's it's total E Street, by the way. That was the that was the song I referred yeah. to as the Rocky Horror Christmas Show <laughs> yeah. uh, song because it's got a real Rocky Horror vibe. But then as soon oh, as it's because sure. I, lo- I looked it up and I'm like, uh, and they were like, oh yeah, little Steven. And I'm like, Hondy P. This is a yeah. fucking E Street tune. This because at the end it was my wife was like, it felt like a fucking church revival. I was like, that's that's the E Street. Yeah, right it's there. pretty much it. Yeah, I was sure. partially hoping though that they would have done like a hot tub time machine and like Santa would have been like, oh, I'm from the future. I can like give them some banger from like 1994 <laughs> and they won't yeah. know about it. No, it's, it's, it's classic, you know, old white guy thing where they just want to play the blues all the time. It happened to Bruce Willis. <laughs> it happened to like all It happened to Bruce guys. Willis when he was in his early twenties though. Like, know, let's, it, it wasn't a transitional thing for Bruce Willis. Yeah. It just like, never left. Like how old was he when Revenge of Bruno came out? Was that like 32, 33? Oh, probably. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah he, he lost his mind for a while, but like, yeah, there's always that like action eighties action hero turned blues singer thing is not, is now old hat. So apparently it's a bad yeah which uh, so i i didn't love the the song stuff in the first movie this one i thought was done a little better because they made it this big huge thing and i i appreciated that more instead of just santa just rocking out in a jail cell miraculously like that seemed stupid this one he has to create a distraction he has to do this larger than life thing to get the spirits back up so it was less hokey than the first movie does it um but i get what you're saying but the the way you're describing the first one though kind of gives me kind of those like great like muppet movie vibes or shit where there's just like songs (laughs) gonna break out because the song's gonna fucking break out yeah sure yeah 
Well, like I said, I recommend going back and watching the first one if you haven't, because you know it kind it kind of enrich. If you already like this, it'll only enrich it more, I believe. Um, uh, to me, you know, especially if you're down with the elves, because I think that's a, a difference between how you're gonna see the first movie and the second movie is just because the first movie the elves are very sparing because they're only in Santa's village for a short amount of time. And they only are in like one room, you know, where the workshop is or whatever. And that's yeah, how they yeah, see yeah. all the elves. This one, you're seeing a whole full scope of the world. So you're getting way, way, way more elves, like a whole town of elves. Right on. And obviously them on fucking drugs. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely, and for them to be like full on having war out there, like just shooting up and like taking down drones and doing all this thing. It is wild to watch for a period. It's and a, like, yeah, even Goldie Hawn as Mrs. Claus, just kind of saying things to Jack, like, yeah, they'll be distracted for like 30 seconds, but you better get out there. And I hope you don't die. Basically. Like yes, yeah, no. some- <laughs> another part about that too. She gave him. So the part about the cookies. So yes, she, I was, yeah. I missed this maybe, but like she gave him these cookies and then yes. he's going to like, uh, try to get this. She gives, him, for she gives him two cookies. Two she gives him two cookies. And she says, one of these explodes and one of these makes you brave. So she says, this is the exploding. The, the, the snowman will make you brave. And then he goes and he's like, I don't remember which one it is. Like if it's the exploding or the snowman, cause he needs to be brave. And then he eats something. And then, yeah, he's like, totally could have died. <laughs> yeah. He very easily, so that easily point, could have died. Because at that point in the narrative, I was like, Mrs. Claus, the snowman cookie isn't going to be full of courage. That's going to be his inner courage. She's just faking him out. So right. logically, the gingerbread man doesn't fucking explode. But exactly. then five minutes later, he fucking throws the gingerbread man and it explodes. And yeah. I, at that point, I was like, oh, shit, there was some that could have gone really bad. This yeah. movie could have ended with like a decapitated child, like yeah, it's just real. like a scene from the boys, just blood spray everywhere. <laughs> real high stakes, and also not only she didn't give him any bravery in her in the cookie, and she gave him a bomb cookie that he could have easily mixed up. Like that's totally. really that's really great. But I did, I will admit, I cried anyway when she was like the. The, the uh, braveness was in you all along. Yeah, I'm it'll get you every time. Sure, like the lip gloss, yeah. like the lip gloss music video, it gets me every time. <laughs> oh, I love that part. I really, I genuinely love yeah, that part. Yeah, it man. got me. So yeah, so okay, so then I guess we did save the best for last in terms of you guys because you seem bowled <laughs> over by these ones. So yeah. Like I said, uh, you know, the first movie. Listen, is worse listen, luck. compared to Operation Fucking Christmas dropped. Oh, yeah. Like, no, that I, I honestly could have watched like two hours video of like Kurt Russell just, I don't know, reading the paper, taking a dump. Anything would have been sure. better than Operation Christmas Drop. Oh, yeah. I actually could have, uh, you know, and again, this is revisionist. And maybe the third one will. Maybe they'll actually ditch this family that clearly just causes all these problems. Um, but, like, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll just get a straight-up Santa-only movie for the third one. I'd totally be I fine with that. I, I don't, I, I don't think the formula it. works. I don't think the formula works unless you have our POV character to enter in and have the reaction you want. Like, because it. Uh, here's why I don't think that works. Jack's presence in this movie is vitally important so that you have that moment of pure wonder. 
yeah, yeah. if you just keep going back to the well with the kid or if you don't have a kid POV, then the magic of it is just taken as assumed. Jack's reaction when he sees Kurt Russell for the first time, that was the part where I teared yeah. up. Oh, because yeah, in that moment, Kurt Russell is everything, literally everything a kid would want in a Santa Claus. Yeah. And I think that that POV and having the child presence is vitally important to these movies working. I think with the third one, yes, you can just make it Jack and a new friend, or you can move off that family completely, but you can't do these without, um, without somebody from the real world anchoring it. It doesn't. Yeah, I agree. I agree also on that. It's, it's, that's what it comes to that, that kids Bechdel test that I was talking about. So like, instead of being for women, it's a movie with two kids, more than one kid talking to each other about something other than their parents is what qualifies for me. So like having Kate and Jack, Oh, wow, that's weird names because it's like Titanic. Anyway, but like having Kate and Jack. <laughs> the there, Kate of it, I wonder, is that for Kurt Russell's daughter? I love Kate because of her hair. So uh, that's all it takes. I don't know. Yeah. I loved her hair, but I got it. No, but like so having them. Wife. And I also like that there was the Teddy, the, um, the older brother who sees Santa for the last time. And like, he's a teenager now. He was in the first one. I didn't see it. But it's like, he's a teenager now. He's like not believing so much anymore, but that he's still on the cusp. Unlike yeah. adults, which are so far removed that we would never be able to even see the magic that's existing in the world. Well, I he love and, that. They, and they also give and they also give that great moment when when they're taking off and the kids like I'm never gonna forget you and she's like Yeah, you will. But that's the way it's supposed to go. Oh, yeah. It was just a perfect little bit of dialogue. Yeah, it was really really wonderful. Yeah, and, and even I, to I your point, I had forgotten about that, Mega. And even to your point about the length, Travis, that you've mentioned a couple mm-hmm. times, I could I definitely when I saw that this was quote two hours uh when you dial it up like it's like oh god that's a little long for like a family yeah. Christmas movie but it's but it really actually like- an hour and 45 because the credits are super duper long because all the regardless. elf animation and uh, it's so it's it's a little yeah. bit better well, than- regardless of that though even even in an hour of 45 like if you're looking for like a christmas thing to throw on with the kids an hour and 20 is most parents sweet spot like like it's gonna feel or it's gonna look like it's gonna be long but the thing is i don't feel like there's a lot of dead space in it like looking at it i i can't think of too much in there that i would have cut to trim it i can't see too much in there mm-hmm. that i'm like i don't like it um you know or needed to kind of move it out well, so, the part that I didn't like was the contrivance that got them, the kids, to be away from the parents in the beginning. That was like, oh, look, we got these tickets to Tulum, and you're going to go to the yeah. kids' club, and you're going to go snorkeling. And then it was like five minutes later, bye, we're going to Tulum. It was like, this was well, all that's bad, because, but like... D- well, that's because that was uh, Bell Snickle. Yeah, it can't. Bell Snickle comes out of nowhere. Sent those tickets reason. out. Sent the tickets out of nowhere to to separate him so that he could. I, now, here's the thing. Bell Snickle's plan to me was a little bit shoddy from the jump. But oh, I'm going to let sure. that go. Yeah, it was very it was very spacey. Also, yeah, nobody would trust. I never those caught tickets. what happened to Bell Snickle's evil elf. I never caught what happened to that little dude. Or is he still on the loose? Yule Cat got thrown into the sun. <laughs> Belsnickle himself yeah. had a happy ending. What happened to that little evil elf that was chilling out with Belsnickle the whole time? Sure. Did I miss a thing? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, or is, don't are know. they they seeding the third movie? Because now that we know evil elves are a thing. Wait, here's the thing dude, too. That dude's just going to be like totally scar facing. It just mountains of cocaine. <laughs> just... Oh yeah. Just loading. We the already seen they can, We already seen they like to kill people with chainsaws. I'm seeing a. I'm seeing a scar like Christmas Chronicles three Scarface elves. Yeah. 
Hey, man. Wow, uh, I, 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 I wrecked the podcast there. I broke no, the podcast. Right. I, it, they could, I honestly don't know where they go from here, to be honest. Usually there's some kind of carry. No, no, no. Over. Don't try to save it. Don't, don't try to save it. Let me sit in my failure for a no, while. <laughs> No, we don't do that here, man. I love you. So I appreciate you guys coming on because I think you guys did a great job of covering these three. I think, you know, overall for the Netflix season, how do you guys feel? I mean, they still have more movies because they just keep going and going with Netflix. But I think these are really the high profile ones. There's no real like, oh, we missed this one kind of feeling that I've seen for stuff coming up. But how do you guys feel about the season now that we covered five fucking movies? Compared to what we endured last season, I feel very strongly about the offerings this year. Um, you know, even the worst of these was fucking Christmas drop for me. And I bailed out in 28 minutes as, as, uh, as we now all know, but honestly, and, and now based on what you guys have told me, there's no fucking way I'm sitting through the Dolly Parton thing. I love Dolly, but that's just not my speed. It's yeah. not my thing. But I got to be honest, the other three are real solid entertainment. They're real solid Christmas flicks. They're, they're fun. They, try, they, they take some chances in places. They do some interesting things. I think all of them are super duper solid. So well done, Netflix. I think the season got, once Jingle Jangle ended up being as really good as it was, I think it mm-hmm. kind of like elevated. I know, Mega, I'm, I know you weren't super into that. I'm but sorry. for me, um, one, once I knew that that was going to be a good movie and that we had more to come with higher profile stuff later on, I, I, I definitely think they you know, started to click all the boxes, you know, tick them all off as far as the season went through. Mega, what do you think? Yeah, I'm eating it up. Like usually maybe I don't have as much Christmas cheer in some ways. Like I I feel like usually I don't have the time to kind of slow down and even remember that it's Christmas. But I guess I usually also get to travel and see my family during Christmas. I'm not going to do that this year. So there's kind of a, it's something that I think we need. And so it's, it's nice to be able to slow down and really enjoy these things, but also that they're really kind of providing. And I will say, I know it's not up your alley, but the, the all those Princess Switches movies and the the Christmas what's the other one with the girl from iZombie? I like those ones too. I'm into it. Yeah, there's a bunch that because they were before uh, my oh, yeah. time. I think like yeah, Christmas Prince was I think the first one uh, or that they did, and then they oh, made yes, like Christmas three of those. Prince. And then yeah. the uh, the Princess Switch movies. And these, yes. there is That's a theory Hudson, online right? that all the Christmas movies on Netflix are within the same uh, world. And that's kind of interesting. I don't know how it works for all of these, but it, it definitely is something for it's like. It's nice uh, to know I'm not the only person that gets high before watching these things. No, yeah, the Christmas uh, Prince. Well, I mean, so, yeah, the Christmas yeah, right. Prince, they see the, during the Christmas Switch, uh, which is a Netflix original movie, I mean, the Princess Switch they're scanning through Netflix to figure out something to watch and the right. Christmas Prince comes up. So then yeah. there's like, what? Like these things exist within the same universe. Uh, it's very, it's very, um, well, and the, stuff. Uh, so the, the, I guess the country that they use for the, the princess switch is the country they mention in, or they go back in time to with night before Christmas. Right. Oh, wow. I have, I have no idea. I heard yeah. that. Yeah, I, I, I haven't guess read it. I just, yes, the night, the knight. 
Yeah. So good. I, li- I like the idea that, uh, like, honestly, I want to see now, like, ex- uh, sequel to Extraction, where they invade the country from, like, uh, the, the Princess Switch or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, I would totally fucking be into that. Version of Old Guard where fucking Santa. Oh, well, yes. Okay. Yes. yes, yes oh, yes. my God. Charlize Theron, Kurt Russell team up. Old Guard meets Christmas Chronicles. Yes. Christmas Chronicles 3. Fucking A. Netflix, yeah. man. Why Did the it. fuck don't you guys call me? Dude, Santa is. Give me Absolutely. all your dollars. I mean, like, because he's what? He admits, like, he's, like, 300 years old. 1,000 like, years like, old. He's over 1,000 years 1, 000, old. yeah. So, like, yeah. yeah. Who's older than this motherfucker? Like, uh, the old guard is the only thing that comes close. So he can oh, roll yes. in and just own that place. That would be awesome. <gasps> yes. Holy shit. I'm, I'm living God. for it. All right, guys, this has been so great. We have so many extra ideas. I hope Netflix is definitely listening in. Uh, Merry Christmas to both of you. Thank you so much for doing this. And, you know, obviously we're going to have to do this next year. Oh, God. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm trapped. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, happy holidays to all. uh, And uh, Andrew, as always, thanks for having me. Good times. Absolutely. Thank you, Mega. Thanks a bunch. Love you, Mega. Aw, love you. Yay!